Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be with Yona Estrada, who is sort of the talk of the town on State Street right now. He just opened Yona Reds, and I can attest the food is delicious. And uh, you know he's got a long line always, people wanting to taste the food, his patio is full, and uh, this is a really good opportunity to sit down with him and talk about his success story and how he was able to start this business. And we're gonna dive in and talk about how he was able to do that, you know, kind of growing up as a kid on the west side, you know. So, Yona, how are you today? I'm good, thanks for having me, man. No, it's my pleasure because you are sort of a, a source of inspiration because you were able to start this restaurant and you did it sort of organically. This is something that happened because you were just starting to cook, as I understand it, for your, your friends and family. Why don't you tell the story of Yona Reds? Uh, let's start out, like, how did, how did this begin? You started cooking for family and all of a sudden here you are with a restaurant on the 500 block at State Street. So tell me about it. Yeah, no, so I was, uh I love the birria tacos, the queso tacos is one of my favorite foods to eat and I would go down to LA, uh, Oxnard and all these areas to go eat this food and and uh, I mean I tried them all and I just wanted to bring that to the community uh, here in Santa Barbara because I knew that people wanted it. People would love, it was it's a trending food so people would like to go down to LA and Oxnard and stuff like that so I mean I was one of the ones that was doing that and I would post it on my story and a lot of people on my Instagram stories and people would love it like I would get hey where'd you get that where'd you get this and and so I just got my little pot of birria bought a little uh, grill and I started cooking for friends and family thinking it was just gonna be that but it was the complete opposite mm -hmm. it was a lot of people one friend shared another friend shared and then their friends the following week I got them to the lines and it was at the height of COVID um, uh, when I started doing Yona Reds and um, I just got a lot of uh, support from the whole community and it was very diverse too uh, very diverse crowds that were on the lines and uh, people would people would come out just stand in line for an hour and and wait for my food you know it was only me on the grill in the beginning and and then and then long behold i had to get a second grill had to hire another cook and it took off from there you know um i uh only had one dish on there it was the yona special three <laughs> queso tacos and a consomme with the drink um and the reason i did that was because i would only go get the queso tacos in l.a uh, they had a, they have a different varieties of, of birria uh, that you can have with birria. There's like the pizza and stuff like that. But I would only gravitate towards the tacos, mm -hmm. the queso tacos. So that's what I brought to the community, and everybody loved it. And this is uh, the rest is history here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I got an opportunity to check out a few spots uh, with the landlord, and uh, he showed me a few spots, and we agreed on this one here. Um, but he actually caught the attention down at uh, the lines down at Casablanca when I was leasing out the kitchen mm -hmm. there. I was uh, I would just do my pop-ups there on Sundays, and when I went from the backyards to Casablanca, and then to here, um, in a matter of like six months of just working every weekend, just uh, getting up at four in the morning, 
to to cook the pirria um, so it could be ready by 12 when I started serving um, uh-huh. on Sunday. So um, people would love it. It's a good hangover, good for hangovers <laughs> with the consomme. It's a, it, I mean, the greasy, it's a little greasy, so it goes good with, uh, with a good hangover, you know, you could definitely recover quick. Mm-hmm. So that's basically where, how it started. And Bidia is goat, correct? Is it goat meat or can you explain what? Yeah, so originally it's made with goat, Yeah. Uh, but uh, we do it with beef just because most people don't like the beef. I mean, don't like the goat. They, yeah. they go towards more of the beef. Uh, but it's originally goat. Yes, uh, it's, it's simmered in, in its own chili so- oil, I mean chili um, um, broth and basically with a bunch of spices. Everybody uses different spices, so everybody's birria is different. Um, but uh, yeah, it's basically originally with goat, but we do it with beef. And we will be bringing in the goat soon uh, on the weekends, just just for the people that, that want the goat, because I get a lot of people that ask for it. Yeah. Um, but um, it's, uh, it's something that we're gonna look into bringing in soon. Where did you learn how to cook? From my mom. Yeah. My mom, she is a great cook and I would always be there in the kitchen watching her cook and I wanted to learn. Sometimes I'd take notes, but my mom didn't have like measuring cups or anything like that. She would literally just eyeball it and and I learned by watching her. Like I mean there's there's uh, no way like a hands on cooking. So when she was in the kitchen, I'd be asking her, how do you do that? What did, what did you put in that? How much did you put in that? And she would just say like, uh, I threw this much amount, but it's not like she had a measuring cup or anything. She would just kind of eyeball it, you know? Yeah. So I learned from her and, um, and she always told me, you have to have good sason. And sason means like, you have to make sure that everything tastes right, like seasoned to perfection. And, uh, and she said, if you don't have sazon, then people won't like your food. Uh-huh. So I learned that I had to have sazon for, uh, for people would come back, you know? People love the food and I feel like we have the right sazon and the birria here. So that's what, uh, that's what makes the, um, the cooking. But yeah, I learned how to cook from her. She was, she was a great cook, she many dishes. Uh, she actually passed away back in 2014, so um, I know she would have been here. She would probably be bringing in more dishes, you know, and stuff like that. So, but uh, yeah, but I learned from her. She was she's uh, she was the best cook. She had a ton of people always coming over to the house and always eating her food. And she would make for the masses, you know. She would it was like a family of four, but she would make for like like twenty people. And so we basically um, always had good food at home. Yeah, due to her. So talk to me about the feeling. So you started cooking for friends out of a neighbor's backyard and all of a sudden people are coming, people you probably don't know, just kind of uh, flocking to you because the food is so good. What's that feel like when you go from just sort of cooking for your friends to all of a sudden you see people who are coming to you specifically for something you've created? Ah, uh, man, it's it's crazy. I, I I honestly sometimes wouldn't even look at the line because I was so overwhelmed. I'd look up and I'd see a huge ass line and I was cooking. So I was like, no, I just put my head on the grill down now and just start cranking out tacos. Um, 
I didn't didn't have a time to reflect during the cooking process. There was only till after I was done cooking when I would see the videos, people posting. I was like, whoa, that's that's that was me all day, you know. So that's I would reflect at home, you know, once I made it home and and uh, clean after I cleaned up and everything. That's when I'd be like, wow, like. I have something here, you know, I got to keep doing this so I can keep feeding the community because they love it, you know, so that's basically what uh, I, yeah, I didn't have time to reflect while I was cooking. I would, I would just look up and see the line and then go back to cooking because I had to feed everybody. Um, sometimes there was times where people didn't, waited in line and they didn't get food. So I'd give them like a little card, like a little sticker that said Yona Reds on it. And that would give them a voucher for the next time, next week when they come, they don't have to wait in line and they get a free meal. Just because they waited for so long, like an, over an hour, and then to come to the to the register and to for us to tell them, oh, we sold out, you know. But I would literally sell out like in two hours, and I was only selling food for three hours, so I had a time from like 12 to 3 p.m. and literally I would sell out by two. Um, and the line was still out the door, like it was around the corner, and it was it was grabbing the attention of neighbors and and so many people. I mean, especially with people posting their postings, being in line and seeing these long ass lines, and they're like, "What's going on there?" Um, so, I mean, I only realized it when I was done with done for the day, and I saw the videos, and that's when I would realize, like, "Whoa," you know. But other than that, during the time, I would. I would just keep cooking, honestly. So you're a success story because you've been able to to start this restaurant during COVID. That's amazing. That's really difficult to do. But you're also a success story and inspirational because you're you're homegrown. You're a local guy. You're not somebody who came in here from the Silicon Valley or LA and decided to open up a restaurant in Santa Barbara. Take me back to Yona as a little boy. Where did you grow up, and how was your life uh, at that time? Well, I grew up. I grew up on the lower west side of Santa Barbara, um, Rancheria and Montecito Street. So it's like um, considered the projects back in the day. Um, and I grew up in in that um, in that community, and and I mean it was. I learned uh, there to fend for myself. I learned there to. Um, to be a little tough and to and to not and to take risks, you know, um, and that basically molded me to who I am now. You know, um, I m my single mother with four children. Um, we grew up on Section Eight um, welfare and all that, and so basically we really came from nothing. We, <clears throat> we had nothing. So um, and uh, yeah, I, I grew up. I grew up with the the neighborhood guys there, and uh, and we went to school together, um, and we got in trouble and stuff like that. But other than that, I mean, we we basically uh, learned how to make things like out of nothing. You know, we <clears throat> have friends that just did their businesses as well, like just um, because they they wanted an opportunity or they basically didn't have uh, uh, they weren't going to get nothing handed to them so they had to create something to make something happen 
and same thing with me. I had I always knew that I wanted to do something in the food industry, but I just never knew what you know. Mm -hmm. And until I did the queso tacos, and but yeah, that's I mean I grew up I grew up uh, on the west side. I went to McKinley Junior uh, McKinley Elementary, La Cumbre Junior High, and uh, San Marcos High. Mm -hmm. So I mean and. My, mainly everybody that grew up in that area went to the same schools. Mm -hmm. So um, we, um, we were a, a tight-knit community. Um, we honestly uh, really never went anywhere. We never traveled. Uh, we never left that, that neighborhood area. And uh, yeah, because it was, it was fun growing up there. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, as tough as, as it sounds like it was, it was, uh, we had very little, but we were we were really blessed um, to have like the love from our families and from our friends and stuff like that. But we, uh, yeah, I I just grew up grew up not having anything. You know, I my mom was single mother. She took care of us four, and and she basically just all she had was the time to give us and, and the love but she there was nothing we didn't have like the luxuries or anything mm -hmm. like that so where where was your dad oh my dad passed away when i was like 12 so um he he died at a at an early age of, of uh, alcoholism so he was uh used to drink a lot but i mean he um he he passed away because i mean he had an addiction you know mm -hmm. to alcohol and how old was he? He was like 35. Wow. Yeah, he was young. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then um, my mother had to take on that responsibility as well to be the father and mother of two. I mean, it's not it's not easy to raise three guys and then... So and then all, all brothers? Brothers and I have a, a younger sister and she mm -hmm. was she grew up with a disability. So she had to take care of her, like put more attention towards her and... And we were out to like kind of fend for ourselves when we when we leave home, you know. So we had I didn't have that father figure out on on the streets when I was growing up, you know. So once I left home, I was literally we were on our own, you know. Um, and because uh, yeah, my mother didn't have time for for us. Like she had she had to fend for my little sister more. She had a disability with vision, you know. She was basically like she's uh, legally blind, so. Um, she had to really like watch her after her more than we we did, you know. But she she taught us great morals, respect, and self respect, and and to be um, to be kind to other people, be treat people the way you want to be treated. She taught us all those great morals, and that went a long way for us, you know. She she knew that we were gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. How did you stay out of trouble? Or, you know, if you got into trouble, you could talk about that too. But um, obviously, uh, when, you, when you grow up, and um, there's lots of challenges that everybody faces and choices that people have to make. And uh, sometimes uh, we all, you know, make tough, tough choices, tough decisions. Were you able to avoid, uh, you know, gangs or getting in trouble or, and all that stuff? Or what, what were I you mean, like? Yeah, man, I, I hung around, you know, I, I hung around with, with all the all the boys on the west side and um, we, I mean, I got into trouble here and there, but what really kept me out of trouble, out of jail and all that stuff was uh, having a job, uh -huh. you know, having to go to work, you know, and and 
that basically kept me out from going to prison and, and jail and all that stuff because I have friends that ended up in prison, ended up doing all that. And, but I mean, I just, I always had my mom in my ear, you know, like just every time I'd go out, I'd be like, no, my mom's not gonna like that. And, and honestly, I had to work, you know, I, we come from nothing. So um, if I wanted some shoes or clothes or anything like that, my mom would give us the essentials, but not the luxuries. And mm -hmm. if I wanted the cool shoes, wanted the, the nice clothes, and I had to work, you know, and, and that kept me out of trouble because during the time when I was working, the people that weren't working were getting into trouble, you know. So as a young, as a young, at a young age, I started working at four, at the age of fourteen. Oh. Um, I got an opportunity to work at IHOP as a, like a host and a dishwasher, and I mean um, that was a great great opportunity for me because I was working when I I got out of school. I went to work, you know. Mm -hmm. I literally leave La Cumbre Junior High and get on the bus and go to Turnpike to go to IHOP mm -hmm. to work there. Uh -huh. And so that took away, that took a lot of time, you know? So, I mean, that took the time that I was out in the street. I could have been out in the streets, I was working. So that's what kept me out. And then from there, I lost that, I lost that job. I got another job and, and so on and so on. So but I never went without having a job. So that really kept me busy. And I mean, most of my friends knew that. They're like, oh, Jonah's working. You know, Jonah works. Uh, and I mean, sometimes I'd like to hang out too, but I mean, I think I'd rather choose work over over hanging out. So yeah. that kept me out of a lot of trouble having a job. Yeah. And why did you go to San Marcos? Doesn't it, if you grew up on the west side in Santa Barbara High or your primary high school, or was it because you were working out there? Oh, no. Yeah. Well, San Marcos was just tradition for everybody on the west side oh, just okay. like everybody on the west side goes to san marcos and then everybody on the east side goes to santa barbara oh, okay. you know and yeah. it's like i grew up in galita so okay. so you would probably go to dp, DP yeah, yeah dp yeah. and uh so that's uh that's what that's basically it was just growing up on the west side choosing the school that you wanted to go to i mean that's it's that's how it is in santa barbara you know you go to santa barbara high and um, but I knew some people that lived on the west side and then went to Santa Barbara just because that's that's where they were supposed to go. But I, we followed our friends, you know, like I told my mom, no, I want to go to San Marcos, you know, with all my friends. I don't want to go to Santa Barbara. And uh, but it was a choice that my older brother, he he ended up going to Santa Barbara for a few years and then went to San he went to San Marcos then went to Santa Barbara and then graduated back at San Marcos. Okay. So he got to try the experience of both and that's why he's known like people know him as well like from both sides because he went there and then he went over here and I mean but he never was affiliated with anything as well. So I mean it was it was just more like friends, you know, just everybody was friend. He's a more friendly guy, so I mean so um but but me and my younger brother we just went to the, the McKinley Lacumbre San Marcos, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just because of our friends, I think, you know, I didn't want to make new friends over there. So I just decided to follow my friends to San Marcos. And, and honestly, my mom liked that school. Like she, she liked San Marcos and she, she let us go there. You know? To outsiders, Santa Barbara has this perception of being this place for the 
uber wealthy, you know, rich, affluent, uh, you know, we're on the coast here. Can you talk a little bit about like what it's like for you growing up as a um, Latino, Mexican American in Santa Barbara? Did you feel like you, uh, your teachers uh, paid attention to you? You got what you needed? Was it a constant struggle? Like, what was it like for you to grow up as a, you know, Latino in Santa Barbara? I mean, be, a lot of people do get that perception that everyone's rich here, everyone has money and and stuff like that, which a big percentage do, you know, but there is like the small percentage like me that don't have anything that grow up on welfare, grow up on Section 8. and uh, But, I mean, for the most part, the public schools that we went to had that same that same um, people that come from where I come from, you know, so it was, uh, and not just Latinos, I mean, there's, there's also other people that were, that, that other races that were also like, didn't have enough. And I mean, but I really never felt discouraged from people in schools or anything like that, because the schools that we went to catered to everybody that was that low income. I know we got the lunch tickets, you know, like we had to apply for that because we were low income, and so if you made over, parents made over a certain amount, they didn't qualify for that. So uh, all my friends had lunch tickets. We used to even trade them out, like you know, hey, give me your Wednesday, and you know, I didn't go to school Tuesday, so here, you know, whatever. So we would trade off lunch tickets, and I mean, I, I, we never really got denied anything here. I think that be, growing up here in Santa Barbara, we're very fortunate to have get that kind of help uh, because I know that other communities outside of Santa Barbara I mean the help is very limited you know it's like but Santa Barbara is very uh, I mean they don't they help you here I mean you get you get a lot a ton of help um, I remember uh, we moved out to Oxnard for a while and uh, my sister was still she used to like get all this help you know because she's disabled and we moved out there and the help over there was way different than out here. Um, so my mom ended up making that, that move back here because she had more support here from the Santa Barbara community. Um, like they have more programs here, like they, there's more stuff that, that would help low income families, you know? So, um, so I think, I think so we're very fortunate. How old were you when your family moved to Oxnard and how long were you there? I was there for about four years. We we basically I was I was uh, I was young. I was I was already out of high school, but I was younger, like maybe like twenty, okay. you know. Early so 20s. I was yeah, early twenties, and and um, so basically I we went out for like four years, just because the rent was cheaper, everything was cheaper, yeah. but the help wasn't what my mom was used to having here so she moved back to Santa Barbara to get the support from my sister um, and and basically um, yeah so we, we we stayed out there for about four years but it's different you know it's it's very different out there than Santa Barbara Santa Barbara there's nothing like Santa Barbara you know Santa Barbara's uh, I have this there's a saying there's a lot of people say that uh, once you go out of Santa Barbara you, you actually see what life is is really is yeah. and you come back you know because it's I mean there, you can't go wrong with Santa Barbara man Santa Barbara's my home it's 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 home you know it's it's beautiful um, but yeah we left 
we went to Oxnard and came back just because uh, we didn't like it out there. We, we love Santa Barbara, even though the rent is super high here. Uh, we work like three jobs to be able to sustain ourselves real well. And, but we wouldn't have it any other way. You know, that's, this, is, this is home. Yeah, I think when you grow up here, you're kind of in the back of your head. You're always thinking, I can't wait to get out of here. There's nothing to do here. I've done everything. Every, you, know, you know everybody. I can't wait to see what the real world is like. And then you get a taste of it. And you're like, wow, I was so lucky to grow up there. I'm going back. Yes. And if you have the opportunity to give back to the community you grew up in, give back to those same people that helped you, that's like the, the perfect ideal. But, you know, I hear you. It's like some of these places in other nearby counties or even North County, lower rent. But uh, there's just something about the ocean breeze, right? You know, being in Santa Barbara. The weather, man. It's, it's, it's nothing like it, man. Over, you go somewhere else and you're like, man, I know I pay a little bit less, but the weather sucks here. Or, or like, the food here is amazing. There's a ton of great food out here. Um, there's, there's a lot to do here. State Street, you know, we're on State Street right now and State Street is, is, where you go to have fun, you know? Um, this is, uh, they have, they decorated really beautiful. They're always building. I've been down to the lower part of State Street, down down where the Finney's area, right. all that area, hotel. hotels. Uh, so beautiful. I walk through there, I'm like, whoa, I live here. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm always amazed by, by, um, by my community here. It's gorgeous. So, Let's talk a little bit about, so you're 30, right? Is that yeah. Okay. I'm actually 31 today. Today's your birthday? Yeah, today Happy is birthday. birthday. Yes, wow. Yes. Well, thanks for making time for me no, on no, your birthday. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Anytime. So uh, what, did, what, what did you do in your 20s before you know your restaurant was able to take off? What kind of work did you do? I was a maintenance guy. Okay. I, I, was, uh, I was literally, I had nothing to do with the food industry. I was always doing maintenance uh, like just cleaning and, and uh, I went from job to job but literally on my resume was maintenance and, and I, I really like that because every day is something different you know every day is something new uh, new challenge uh, repairs uh, uh, there was just a ton of stuff that I learned too like I mean if I ever bought a house I can I can do stuff around the house now um, and I learned how to use the tools. I learned I learned a lot from 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 being a maintenance worker. And um, shout out to all the maintenance guys. You know, they're they get they're the ones that keep stuff running. You know, buildings up to code and everything like that. Who taught you how to fix stuff? Um, just just from the jobs, the supervisors at different jobs that I had. I worked I worked at Lacumber Country Club, and that's where I kind of. Learned, learned a lot there. Um, then I went to Alpha Resource Center and, and that's where I stayed uh, for the remainder of the time. And Alpha's, they've been in the community for such a long time. They, they help, they help uh, people that can't help themselves and they, they, uh, they do so many great things for the community. They, they're, it was, that was a job that it was hard to leave just because I loved it so much. Um, I enjoyed going to work because um, there's participants there that, I mean, are such characters and they're always there. They're always 
those of you that wanted to work, do the same job that you were doing and wanted to help out. And there was some times where you'd help them out. And, and I mean, you forget about life when you're there, like your, your personal problems. You know, I would always go to work and just leave my stuff at, at home and go to work. And, and every day I would have a smile on my face there. Mm -hmm. So it was, it's a, it, yeah, I, I learned from, the supervisors all the time they they showed me how to do stuff and and then I'm a quick learner so I would catch on quick and just teach me once teach me maybe twice and I got it you know I'll take care of it I'll take care of the rest and uh, but yeah I was a maintenance worker for the for a long time yeah that's that's basically what I do what advice would you give to somebody like yourself and and maybe Somebody was like, oh, that's great for Yona. He, he did it. He figured it out. But, you know, I can't do that. Or, you know, that's impossible for me. Like, that's, I don't know how to cook. I, I don't know how to do these things where I can open up my own business. Like, what would you say to, like, a, you know, a young kid growing up in this community, a Latino kid, anybody, about following their dreams or being patient and waiting for something to happen? What, what advice would you have? I would definitely say work your ass off, work hard, work hard. There's no magic pill out there. This is you gotta, you gotta work. When people are working, you have to be working, you know. And and you you have to make your own. I mean, I feel like you you make your own your your own future uh, you, by doing the hard work. That's that's basically it. You have to put in the time, and you you have to. Uh, you have to work, man. I mean, that's work hard. Like that's 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 what I did. I just worked hard. When everybody was sleeping, I was up working. Um, I was I was uh, cooking the birria, you know. Early in the morning, I would take my trips down to Oxnard at like four in the four or five in the morning to get the sodas, you know, get the drinks. And um, by that time, people were sleeping, you know. And and I would always I'd always be like driving out there like why am I doing this but I know that I was gonna pay off one day mm -hmm. I knew that I was gonna do something and I knew I had something but it was all hard work it was not no there was times where I didn't want to get up like oh I'm not gonna do it today but I'd get up and I'm like I'm gonna go do this I have to and but it was all hard work hard work even if it's doesn't seem like it's not gonna pay off it's gonna pay off just keep working hard, go keep at it, follow your dream, and set yourself a goal and, and go for it, you know? Um, don't wait around and wait for something to happen. Do it yourself, like go for it, man. That's, that's what I could say, it's just work hard, yeah. Did you have any skeptics who were telling you you might not be able to do this, or why are you working so hard, that's never gonna ha happen? Uh, was there anybody like that around you who was kind of negative? Oh yeah, I had family. I had uh, had a few people uh, on Instagram and stuff like that uh, talk to me about permits and stuff like that, and they're uh, trying to shut me down and stuff like that. But I didn't let that happen. I, I say, don't listen to the naysayers. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's that's my model there. Don't listen to the naysayers because they they're just scared to for you to succeed and. And it's nothing that, I mean, they, nobody could stop you but yourself, you know? Um, and I feel like 
yeah, I had I had family. I've had uh, I had people saying that oh, it's you know you're gonna get in trouble. You're gonna get you're gonna get uh, you're not gonna do it. You can get people sick. It's COVID. You aren't you're gonna get sick. Like, but I wasn't scared. I took the risk and it paid off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I yeah don't listen to the naysayers. There's always gonna be skeptics. There's always gonna be people trying to shut you down. Trying to make you trying to tell you to stop or you know but i didn't care i i didn't uh i didn't listen to them what would you say is the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome either professionally as it relates to starting your business or or personally as it just relates to getting to where you're at right now what's been the biggest obstacle and challenge that you had to overcome just the financial part like just Get, getting everything together to to uh, get the health permits, to get the to get the equipment. To I mean, that's that's been the biggest obstacle. But I've overcame that. I've saved the money and I worked hard. I every week I didn't touch the money from last week. Didn't touch the money from the last week, and I saved up and. And I was able to do it, but it was just the financial because it's really hard to open up a restaurant, especially here in Santa Barbara. Um, there's a lot of obstacles that that come with opening a place. There's repairs. There's uh, uh, I had my stuff. I had this uh, table stolen here when I opened the place, um, and I had uh, I register. I had to get all that stuff. So I mean, when I've thought that I was going to get this place. It had everything. And then the next day I came and it was all gone. So, um, I was like, Whoa, welcome to, welcome to the business owner world, you know? So I had to hunt down those tables, um, Craigslist, refurbish them. Um, luckily there was people selling tables, uh, because I was looking for, for that. I mean, that was my biggest obstacle when I opened this place, not having tables for seating uh-huh. outside or and stuff like that. But I, I made it happen like in two days. I, I I didn't stop. I worked hard. I was looking, didn't stop making calls. Uh, hey, you know, like I need. So by that, I was able to track down some tables uh, to get that going. But I mean, other than that, I mean, there was a there was a lot of stuff that that I had to overcome as well. Like um, like with the health department, a few inspections, some stuff that didn't get approved. They had to come back. Um, and I was on a time frame. I wanted to open in a certain amount of time, and but I got it done in record time. I there was uh, literally in a month mm-hmm. I was able to open up or from when I signed the lease to open up the place. Um, even the health department people, they're like, they're like, wow, you're really this close to opening, um, and said it takes people months, sometimes even year, you know, to open up a place, you know, and literally in a month I got it done but it was all hard work I was here every day from from like 9 a.m. till like 10 p.m. you know just working just doing uh, paperwork uh, breaking making calls vendors like dude I yeah it was I was here for like a whole month and I uh, and I was still working my job like like still working at at Alpha and but then I put in my two-week notice and I came here, mm-hmm. and and the rest is history. I'm here every single day, and I'm making sure this place is successful. 
This podcast is sponsored by Radius Commercial Real Estate. For over 40 years, Steve Golis at Radius Commercial Real Estate has served the South Coast and Tri-County markets as the undisputed leader in multifamily investment sales, amassing more than $1 billion and 13,000 units sold over the last decade alone. With acumen for market analysis and connecting investors with the right properties, Steve is the go-to among local investors looking to capitalize in this unique real estate category. For unrivaled results in the sale or purchase of your residential income assets, contact Steve Golis at Radius Commercial Real Estate at www.radiusgroup.com or 805-965-5500. It's such an amazing story because this all happened really quick. You started doing this in early in 2020, right? Yeah, um, May, May, towards the end of May, the height of COVID. Yeah, yeah. So this happened really quickly. How does it feel right now? You know, you 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 look out. You're on State Street. You're on probably the the best block on State Street right now in terms of activity and energy and, and customers. How does 31 year old Yona Estrada feel when you actually take it in and say, wow, I did this. Man, it's a blessing, dude. I I can't believe it. Sometimes I still pitch myself. I'm like, wait, whoa, like, wait, I'm doing this? My name's on there, you know? When I was down at Casablanca, the Casablanca sign was still there. And I would look at that and be like, one day I'm going to have my name on there. And literally, like, a month, two months later, I have my my sign out of my own building so yeah it's a blessing man i still can't believe it i still pitch myself sometimes like is this shit real mm-hmm. but yeah and uh, what, tell me about the name what, how'd you get the name so yona's uh short for jonathan um my my family grew up saying call me yona 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 and uh and the reds is because of my red tacos added the z because it's I just wanted to be different, uh-huh. and uh, so Yona Reds is is basically my name and the tacos, yeah, the red tacos. And the tortillas are made out of what? Why are they red? They're corn. Yeah, they're, they're corn. But we use the uh, we use the uh, uh, the grease from the top of the birria because the meat itself releases its own grease, and we use that grease to make the tortillas red. So we dip the tortilla in that grease and. Uh, and it makes the red tortilla. So anything red that you see here is, is literally everything from the birria. So we use <laughs> it from the broth. Uh, we don't waste anything here. We use everything. So we use the broth. Uh, most people just like the meat, uh, but we we use the grease from the from the actual birria to make the tortillas red. I've never dipped tacos in a consomme sauce. Is that a Mexican thing, or is that where does that come from? That originated out in Tijuana. So in okay. Tijuana, they uh, they make the they make the birria tacos like that, oh. and and they came down to down up here to Los Angeles, and then it started coming up up, up to Oxnard, and then and I brought it here to Santa Barbara. Okay. So so um, I'm so grateful for that. That but yeah, it originated in in Tijuana, but the birria is originally from Jalisco. Oh, okay. So like that's where birria originates, um, and um, but yeah, it, tra- it migrated, and and as it migrated, they they used it in different ways, and uh, 
And yeah, this this is how we're using it now, you know. But it's it's uh, it's a concept that you see a lot in Tijuana. Yeah. How many tacos do you make a day? Thousands. Thousands. <laughs> thousands. Couple thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah because. Uh, we have uh, the Yona Specials, the highest selling item there, and that's we, three tacos. That's right? three tacos. Yeah. So we we go through maybe like five hundred freaking Yona Specials, and then that's not including the other birria tacos, the uh, the Yona Deluxe that has two tacos and a mulita. Um, yeah, so we go through a lot of tacos. And how how many employees do you have? Oh, uh, we have 10 employees, yeah. so we, because we have two different shifts, okay. um, so we have the morning shift and the afternoon shift, and, and we rotate everybody, but it's about 10 employees, yeah. And, and how much work do you do? Are you in the kitchen? Are you I'm, behind the counter? I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing it all. I'm, yeah. I'm doing, I'm, I'm stepping in where, where it needs to be, where there's a slot open, that's where I'm in. Mm -hmm. I'm doing register, I'm doing the kitchen, I'm doing some prep, um, I'm greeting customers. I'm I'm doing it all, man. I I'm talking to vendors. I'm writing checks. I'm, I'm everywhere. So I do it all here. I I have a little bit of hands on with everything. We we uh, right now with the COVID thing, we we uh, wear a lot of gloves. We wear our face masks. We uh, keep a lot of sanitizing uh, 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 buckets to wipe down the tables and stuff like that. So I'm doing it all. I'm I'm wiping down tables. I'm I'm uh, I'm taking out the tables. I'm putting them away. Uh, yeah, man. I'm yeah. I, I get to do it all. What would your mom be thinking or saying about you right now, uh, knowing that you were able to uh, learn from her all those years where? She's just cooking, yeah. and you're watching and eating and observing. And now you're bringing her recipes to thousands of people every day. What do you think she'd think of you? Man, she's she's up in heaven, just smiling down. Just, I'm sure she's proud. Yeah, she always wanted a restaurant, uh -huh. um, or she told me, "Why don't you open up a restaurant? I'll cook the food for you." And here I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's still here because this is her recipes, right? Yeah. Her food. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, COVID. We're, we're going to be in this uh, shutdown for a few weeks. Um, how's this going to affect you as you're getting this business off the ground? Well, I mean, outside seating, a lot of people like to eat the food here. I mean, it's, it's uh, definitely when, better when you eat it fresh. But I built this business during COVID. Um, I... All my food was to go anyways. So, I mean, I feel like um, nothing's going to change. We're going to keep doing the same thing. And, I mean, um, people are going to, now they can call in their orders. So, it's it's uh, it's it's one of those things where I'm just going to go back to my old ways, you know. I, I got a little, I got a little um, excited with the seating outside and everything. But, I mean, it's, it's not going to, I don't feel like it's going to affect me. Uh, as much as as other restaurants just because I was doing to-go orders. I started with to-go orders only. Yeah. Uh, nobody was, because it was the height of COVID and I was worried about um, people eating there. So I just made it all to-go. We would pack it up and I mean, we would wrap everything up and everything was to-go. We had plastic bags to put all the food in and, and yeah, you would see people walking out of my, my place or out of the driveways, out of the backyards and and they would basically uh, 
they were basically in their, with their bags uh, with their food wrapped up. So it was all to go. People would take it to their house. They would eat it in their car. But uh, we had no tables for people to eat there anyway. So that's that's how we're going to go back to. We're going to go back to uh, uh, to go. So guys, give us a call on Google. Look us up. Our phone numbers on our Instagram page. And you still can get your media tacos, you know, uh, on the go. And we have uh, we have taquitos de papa on the go in a cup too, okay. so you could literally go on the go. Well, Yona, I really appreciate your time. Your story is really inspirational, but most importantly, the food is delicious. <laughs> so I think you're going to be you. successful for a long time. COVID obviously issue everybody's got to deal with, but looks like you're setting yourself up for long-term success. So um, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down for the podcast and. Uh, Good luck to you with uh, everything you do going forward. Appreciate that, Josh. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to do this podcast. Yona Estrada, Yona Reds, 532 State Street. So the phone number here is 805-324-4039. So that's 805-324-4039. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you.